Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. Welcome again to City Light North Adelaide. Um, I've been, uh, me and my family have been away for a few weeks. We had a, a couple of weeks off. Um, went to visit my uh, my brother's family in, over in the Mornington Peninsula, uh, kind of uh, southeast of Melbourne. Um, it was a really good time. Um, uh, all the kids kind of did get sick though. That's always fun. Uh, and then this weekend, just, just the last couple of days, in fact, we're still kind of maybe three quarters of the way through, if I'm being optimistic, we've been moving house as well. So it's been a bit of a hectic time, but um, we're really glad to be back with you after a bit of an absence. Um, we have been journeying through, and I've been uh, partnering with you, uh, the, the family here, through the podcast, uh, listening to Asking for a Friend. And over the last few weeks, there's been some awesome uh, sermons and messages here. So if you have, like me, uh, been away for a few weeks, or if this is your first night here, I'd encourage you to go back and listen uh, to the podcast for the last few weeks. It's just been some really great stuff. But today's topic, I have the pleasure uh, of preaching with you and sharing with you, and it's this. It's a bit of a, both a, a philosophical question and a theological question, a bit of both, um, and it's this. Can we be good without God? Can we be good without God. So uh, first I'd like to start with a, a psalm uh, that I've selected and also then ask if you join me in prayer. So we're going to, it'll be up on the screen, we're going we're gonna to read Psalm 14 and then we're going to pray. Sound good? All right. Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, and they do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. They have no knowledge, all the evildoers, who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord. There they are in great terror, for God is with the generation of the righteous. You would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord restores the fortunes of his people. Let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can uh, live in the world that you have made where there is uh, goodness, where there is uh, right, where your light shines upon all of us. Uh, We want to pray that as we consider this topic together, you would illuminate us by your Holy Spirit and give us uh, understanding that is not of our own. Uh, We would ask that we would Uh, through this time together, uh, see more of your beauty, uh, experience more of your goodness, and see more of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this question, asking for a friend, can we be good without God? I think this is a really great question. And there is so much to this question. In fact, 
I think that the answer to this question, can we be good without God, it actually really depends on exactly what we mean by good and what, by what we mean by without God. And so to unpack this question a little bit further, uh, I thought it would be kind of be good to go through a, a few different things that people actually mean when they say, you know, we can be good without God, or can we be good without God? When people are asking this question, they don't actually always uh, mean the same thing. So we're going to kind of met, uh, go through a couple of different things people are asking uh, that I think actually kind of maybe develop or build on each other, so hopefully it makes a bit of sense. Uh, and as we do that, what I would want to do is uh, eventually come back to the gospel I want to look at how, for Christians, we, we believe and teach that our goodness is ultimately found in Jesus. Uh, I want to talk about what we mean by that. And then kind of unpack a couple of sub-questions that people, other people kind of had around this question um, that are kind of based about, like, on the way that Christians should behave. And then kind of like the question, well, well why don't they do that? Uh, and then at the end, we'll, we'll kind of pray together and we'll, we'll take communion, we'll worship Does that sound good? All right, let's do it. Can we be good without God? So this question, can we be good without God? If it it means, if, if the person asking this means this, if they mean, can we take actions, do behaviors, take actions that would be defined as right and moral and good, upstanding actions without believing in God and being a Christian... Can we do that? Then the answer is a resounding yes. Yes, we can be good without God if, is if what you mean is can we take moral actions? Can we do good things? Yes. Atheists can be good without God, can take moral actions. People who don't believe in God can do things that we would define as being admirable, upright, good things to do. But we believe that that is for a reason. Christians believe that that all human beings were made in the image of God. And we uh, draw this out in many places, but just briefly, in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, it says this. This is talking about the creation. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we actually believe that, that humans are not merely just creatures. We believe that that each and every single human being, whether or not they believe in God, actually has uh, some of the imprint of the very nature of God in them. We don't share all of God's attributes, like we're not all-knowing, we're not all-powerful, we're not omnipresent, can't be everywhere, uh, unless you're a mum. But we share some of God's attributes. And so being made in his image, being made in his likeness, being a reflection of him in our very nature, in our creation, we have an innate sense of right and wrong, of justice. Of morality. And Romans uh, chapter 2, verse 15 would completely back this up. Um, it, says, it says that those who do not have the Mosaic law, which is the, the law given to the Jewish people 
by God through Moses, um, when they don't have that, they actually have a copy of the law, you know, they don't have the stone tablets, they don't have the, the, the books of uh, the law written down, they don't have that memorised as many of the Jews would, they, they still know the law through the conscience that was given to, given to them by God. It says in Romans 2, uh, 14 and 15, it says this, for when Gentiles, and that is all those non-Jewish people who don't have the law, so most of us here, who do not have the law, when they by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness. And their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. We all, every one of us, we all have a God-given conscience. We, we, we know what is right and what is wrong. And so, of course, someone can act in accordance with that God-given conscience without believing in God. You know, your God-given conscience is still there whether you believe in him or not. You know, acting, acting in moral ways is not what defines if someone is a Christian or not. Or knowing right from wrong is, is not what defines if someone is a Christian or not. Being a Christian isn't about being the most moral person. Not that Christians are, are meant to be immoral. Christians are meant to have a morality and are called to follow that, but ultimately being a Christian is not primarily about following the rules. That's secondary. It's important, but it's secondary. And I think that this question that, that we're answering today, this question that we're looking at, uh, we, we put this out there, we, we got people to write questions back and, and we're looking at them. This question got asked for, for a reason that I think should maybe trouble us just a little bit. I think people are asking this question, can we be good without God? Because for some of us, in fact, perhaps most of us some of the time, or all of us all of the time, who knows, but it, it, it's, some of us have even, even not consciously, but, but even subconsciously got this idea in our heads that somehow we as Christians, if you're a Christian, that somehow we're morally superior to those who don't believe in God that somehow Christians are morally superior to atheists. And we're not. We're not. We don't have more of the image of God in us by birth than anyone else. Hopefully by, by new birth, by Christ coming into us, he's regenerating us and we're becoming more like Christ. But, but we do not in and of ourselves, of our own volition, of our own goodness. We're not, we're not better than anyone else. We're saved by grace. Undeserved favour. So I think we need to remember that and be humble because the reason people are asking this question is because there's too many Christians acting like they are better. Can people who do not believe in God, can we be good without God? Well, yeah, people who do not believe in God still have a sense of right and wrong. And they can still take actions that would be defined as moral. So if you, what you mean by can we be good without God is can we take 
actions that would be defined as admirable and good and, and praiseworthy, yeah, you can. You can be good without God. But, but that's not all that's meant by this question. At another level, or, or perhaps what is also meant by this question, can we be good without God, it's, it's this kind of almost this yearning to jettison the idea of God. You know, we've, we've evolved as a society beyond that. We've moved beyond that. Can, can't we just be good without God? It's, it's this, if, if what you mean by the question, you know, can we do away with God as, as individuals and as a society and, and still agree about what morality actually means, if that's what is meant by the question, can we as a society, as individuals, can we be, be good without God? Can we agree what good means without God. I want to put forward to you the idea that, that no, we can't. Because there's a, there's a question behind the question, and this is where we delve uh, ever so gently into philosophy, which pretty much philosophy and theology, like, they're there together, right? So here we go. The, the real question behind this question is this. It's, it's whether or not there is actually a rational basis for ethics if God does not exist. Can, can we be good without God? Is Without the idea of God, without, in fact, God himself, not just the idea of him we believe is real, without God himself, how can we agree? Is there a way we can agree on a universal ethic of right and wrong? The question being, without, without the moral law or without the standard of good that God is and, and has for us, how do we define what is and what is not good? And, and many ethicists have uh, typed many words into pages, have before computers you know, spilt much ink, And even before that, before there was paper, before there was the printing press, uh, people like Socrates and Plato have philosophized over ethics for a long time. There are many, many different ethical theories. Can we be good without God? Where do we get an ethic of morality without God? Well, what I want to do for us now is is look at the idea that without God, all our attempts to come up with, a, with an ethic that will work, that is universal, that is standard, that is applicable to all, they all fall short. I believe that the only reason we can actually be talking about whether or not there's a good for people to be without God is the fact that God has actually put that moral standard in our hearts and we know that it's there and it's true. I believe that if God does not exist, then everything ends up being relative and subjective and, and not universal. So, can we take moral actions without belief in God? Yes. But can we be good without God? Can we define what good even is without God? I, no, I don't think so. And I think that's because without God, there is no moral constant in the world. There is no moral authority to appeal to for our standard of goodness. I don't think we can be good without God because without God there is no way to universally and truly actually determine what good is. 
Jesus himself affirms this when he says that there is no one good but God alone. In, in Mark 10, uh, verses 17 to 18, it says this, As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, in this passage, Jesus was really actually trying to point to the fact that, hey, I'm God, but his statement is still true. God alone is the, is the pure good, the pure standard of goodness. So what, what does it mean to be good without God's standard to, to measure it by? Can we do it way with God? No, I don't think so. So what I want to do now, uh, if, you, if you may is to kind of go on a journey through, to, through the main ways that, that we could try and work out or define a standard of good without God. And then I want to show why they don't work and how they break down. And, and so kind of the first thing that people might say, yeah, we can be good without God because aren't we all born with an innate sense of goodness? We don't need God to tell us what's good, we just know. And yes, that's true, but that is actually... Like uh, actually an argument for the existence of God. The fact that we are all born with an innate sense of right and wrong, it's, called, it's actually called the moral argument and it's a classic argument for the existence of God. We are all born with a sense of what is right and wrong, but in a fallen world we, we know it, but we don't necessarily do it. Anyone who, who has young children or anyone who is an auntie or an uncle to young children or has even been around young children for, for any length of time will, will know, yes, we actually are all in fact born sinful. Even you, little guy. This gorgeous man who doesn't really know I'm talking about him right now, he is wonderful. But the other, just the other day, uh, Chelsea and I were kind, of, were kind of sitting and he was wandering down the hallway uh, and he was looking for something naughty to do. He, he was wandering along and he would touch one thing and kind of turn around and look at us and we'd be like, no, that's okay. And he'd wander down and touch another thing and another thing on the bookshelf and no, that's okay. And then he finally got to something that we really just didn't want him to touch. And he puts his hand on it and he turns around and looks at us and we're like, no. And he goes, <laughs> and literally cackles and <laughs> just goes nuts on it. He's still cute, right? I forgive him. But (laughs) even before we can uh, properly talk and have rational thoughts, none of us are born innately good. We are born, I believe, with with a knowledge of good and evil, with a knowledge of what is right and what is wrong, but we don't do it by nature. So we are born with a sense of right and wrong, but I don't think we're born good. And some might say, well, you know, this innate sense of right and wrong that we have, isn't that just, doesn't that just come from evolution? Isn't it just that, that we as organisms evolved a shared sense of what is right and what is wrong so that we could actually get by as a cohesive society? You know, if we didn't have a, a, a shared sense of uh, morality, uh, we as a society would just uh, instantly, it, society would not work if we couldn't agree what was right and wrong. And so over the course of thousands of years of 
the millions of years of, of uh, human existence and uh, we have evolved a shared sense of morality. But this actually breaks down pretty quickly because if good is actually only based on uh, somehow your own gain as an organism, this is something I abide to because it is actually going to benefit me and, and benefit my uh, survival and, and benefit me going on, then that actually breaks down pretty quickly if an opportunity comes up for you to, to gain for yourself by breaking what would otherwise be good. You know, if it's in secret, if no one knows about it, then is it still wrong? Who's to say you're wrong to do it if it's not harming any other organism? If it's just kind of a, an ethic of survival of the, the fittest, things can break down pretty quickly. I mean, we know that if, that if a cat kills a mouse, it's, it's, it's normal, it's natural, it's okay. We know that, that if a lion kills a zebra, that's, that's normal, that's okay. In fact, we even know that if a lion kills another lion, like if a, if a lion... If, if one lion comes into another lion's territory and it kills them, we, we know, okay, well, that's just, that's just lions, right? That's just what they do. He shouldn't have been in that guy's territory. Like, he was trying to expand his own. But we do, we, we think, yeah, that's okay. That's lions being lions. But if, but if a man kills his own grandmother to receive his inheritance early, we, we know that's not okay. But, but why isn't that okay? I mean, he's, he, if he can do it in a way that's not harming anyone else, it's just harming her, and he can then get the gain for himself. Who are we to say that's not okay? But yet we know it's not okay. We know it's not okay. But, but why is that? I mean, he wasn't harming anyone, apart from her. Just like the lion wasn't harming anyone apart from the other lion. But that's, the lion's okay. The only way we can say that one organism, one human cannot do that to another human is because we believe that we have been given a morality by God that says that's not okay. And, and so some people then will go on and say, well, isn't it just kind of society as a whole? Don't we get our ethics and our morality from... What, doesn't society decide what's right and what's wrong? And this is the idea of consensus. So we get our ethic of what is right and wrong, our, our morality from, well, this is what the majority thinks. And that could be all right if you were in a world full of smart, wise and kind people. But reality is we're not. The, the, the example would be if there was, if there was uh, two communities that lived on, on two opposite hills and in this community the consensus was everyone believed in this community that the right and proper and ethical and moral thing to do would be that we could eat chickens and cows and pigs, that sounds great. And on the opposite hilltop, there is another community of people and the 100% consensus of this community is that it is ethical and right to eat other people. Then for this community, that would seem really wrong, but for this community, it's right. If we believe in an ethic of consensus this community has no right to tell this community that they're wrong. And in fact, this community would have no right at all to complain about what this one is doing, apart from perhaps, please don't eat us. The consensus, idea of consensus, ethical morality 
doesn't work because if 51% of people think that slavery is, is right, it doesn't make it right. We know that we cannot just rely on what the consensus of our society is to, to find an ethic because over the course of history and time, and in fact, even now, even in our own society, what everyone thinks is not necessarily right. We cannot just look to consensus for our ethics because we don't actually always have it right. A further idea would be, well, can't we just define good and evil without God? You know, we know what good and evil is. Let's just look as a society, all of us, we know what good and evil is. Can we just kind of get rid of the idea of God? And we do know what is right and wrong, again, as God has written it on our hearts. But I would put forward the idea that we cannot actually defend it without God. We cannot defend it as true without God. Um, David Hume, who was an 18th century Scottish philosopher, he, he asked this question, and it's the famous question that he, that he has, and it's, it's the question that you can't really... He puts forth the idea you can't decide what ought to be by looking at what is. And this is Hume's what is, uh, famous what is question. And so he kind of put forward this, this really uh, idea that helps us to think. It. It's um, the idea that people kind of take how things are and use it to define how things should be. And it's a fallacy that we fall into often. Um, and we cannot actually deduce what ought to be from what is. So the example, the classic example that he that, that is used to describe his philosophy is, is that you know, we evolved as meat-eating animals, and so therefore we ought to eat meat. And for probably 90% of the room or more, that sounds like a really awesome... Yeah, that's, that's true. But for the other percent who are vegetarian, they'd say, well, no, that, that's not true. We, we can't actually just look at what is to define what ought to be. Because like in the previous example with the two communities, sometimes what is is not what ought to be. So yes, we all have an idea of right and wrong. But we can't defend it without God because... Just because something is doesn't mean we can say it ought. We need God for the ought. Other kind of really common ethical theories include uh, utilitarianism and, and hedonism, which is an offshoot of that. Uh, we're basically where the ends justify the means. It's a teleological ethic uh, for those who are into ethics. All of you, probably. <laughs> so this is kind of like this idea is that um, what is ethical or what is right is what does the most good for the most number of people. So under this ethic, if, if killing 49 people meant that, that 51 uh, were more happy and more fulfilled and it brought a greater matter of joy on the whole, then that would be the ethically okay thing to do. And that's all well and good if you're the 51, but not if you're the 49. And so we can see that just a, a teleological, hedonistic ethic cannot be universally applied to all people. It's not universally okay. Other people would put forward the idea that, well, don't we just follow the golden rule? Does anyone know what the golden rule is? Feel free to get a little loud. I, I don't mind. Just 
Pretend you're all Pentecostal or something. Let's sing it out. Do to others as you would have them do to you. That's a really good thing. One should treat others as one would like to be treated themselves. And that would actually be really great if we did it, but we don't. And also, it's from Jesus. Um, it is a really good ideal, and uh, like it's from Jesus, so I'm not going to knock that ideal, but, but in and of itself, by itself, it's not enough without all the things that go around it. Uh, my wife, Chelsea, used to... She's, a, she's a, an educator, she's a teacher, she's worked in a lot of different school communities, um, and there was this one uh, school community that she worked in where this, this golden rule thing was, was like, it was the thing. Uh, and so in every classroom, on every wall, uh, this, this do unto others as you would have them do to you uh, was, was written there, and this is what the educators and the teachers would point to to help the students kind of guide their ethical behaviour. And um, kids are clever. Like, they're cleverer than... than Sometimes I think as we get older, our brains crystallise and we don't think as clearly. These little kids are pretty clever. And they could use this ethic to justify their bad behaviour. I'll, I'll tell you how. And this is why this rule by itself in, is not enough. Um, one of the kids would, would just say, like, push another kid, and the teacher would come and say, uh, is that okay? And they'd say, well, they pushed me, so obviously that's how they want to be treated. So this... <laughs> do unto others as a... Have you, it doesn't actually work in... Isolated without the rest of the things around it, because the truth is this: is that sometimes people do not actually want to be treated as well as they deserve. Sometimes people do not want to be treated as well as they deserve, and in fact, without the forgiveness and grace and redemption and restoration that we find in Jesus, do unto others as that have you'd have them do to you. Actually. It degrades pretty quickly without forgiveness because all of a sudden when they hurt me, obviously they want to be hurt and I'll hurt them back. So this in and of itself, just by itself, without the rest of the law, moral law behind it and especially without forgiveness and grace behind it, breaks down pretty quick. So if the question, can we be good without God... If it's taken to mean, can we agree on an ethical, moral standard that's going to work? Then I, I want to put forward the idea that, that no, eventually they all break down. Can we be good without God? No, I think we need God as other, as separate from us to define our standard of goodness. He alone is, is perfect and, and right and just. This question may also be asked with this, with this kind of heart or intention. Can we be good without God? It, it could, be mean, could mean this. Can we be counted as good people without God? Then, again, I think the answer is no. We need God to be counted as good people. And, and in Jesus, we have him. In, in answering and asking these questions, someone wrote down and, and someone asked this. Uh, in one, one sense, I, I, I love this question, but in another sense, I'm, I'm going to respond to it differently. Um, someone asked, why can't you just be a nice person? 
And I don't know who asked this, and so I'm at liberty to answer in this way. But my, if I did know, I probably wouldn't answer in this way. But why can't you just be a nice person? My response to that is, yeah, why can't you? Because <laughs> you can't. You can't just be a nice person. Believe me, I've tried. I fail daily. Just ask my family. Why can't you just be a nice person? I can't. You can't. If we could, wouldn't that be great? But again, I mean, who's to say what's nice for that God anyway? We can't be nice people. We've tried. And I don't care if you, if you believe in God and you believe in his ethical moral standard, that is great and, and that's awesome. But if you're here and you're not a Christian, you are equally welcome here. And this also equally applies to you. I want you to consider for a moment, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you don't believe in God. In fact, even if you are a, a strong atheist and you're here in this room, please, you're welcome. We're glad you're here. But consider this for a minute. Whatever ethical standard you live by, whatever moral standard you live by, could you honestly say that you actually live up to that? That you honestly keep it all the time? Would you say, that even if you don't believe in the Judeo-Christian standard of morality, whatever your ethic is, whatever your standard is, would you be defined as a nice person by that standard? As, as good all the time? Do you always honestly keep it? I would wager a hefty bet if I was a betting man, that no, you don't. Even without the moral standard of, of, of God's moral standard, even of, of your own moral standard or, or the moral standard um, that you've come to through, through society or culture or wherever you've grown up with, we don't, you don't keep it. I, I think we cannot be good without God because we've tried. And the message of Christianity is that God was good for us. Our right standing before God, our, our being good before God is, is not because we can keep all the rules, it's because he's good. Uh, Romans 5 verses 8 to 11 says this, it says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, that is, while we were people who were, who were not good, who were not nice, who were not always doing good. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, in him declared good, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. I don't think we can be good without God because we've tried to be good and we, we, we can't. We've tried. It doesn't work. But whilst we were not good, Jesus died for us. We're counted as good in him, not because we can do good all the time and keep all the rules and live perfectly by our ethic, but because Jesus came and he lived perfectly and he applies that goodness to us through faith when we believe in him. Because it's, actually, it's not actually enough to just do good. We need to actually be righteous or be, be good, be perfectly good. 
It's not enough to do good. We need to be goodness itself. And each and every one of us, we know that no matter what the ethic we consider, none of us have have done that. None of us could say we are purely good. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith it is impossible to please him. There was actually a group of people um, in particular, probably many others, but a group of people in particular that I want us to consider who were, who were really good at, at doing good. And this group of people, they lived at the same time as Jesus uh, and they were called the Pharisees and they were really good at doing good. I want to put forward an idea that actually might be a little bit controversial right now, and, it, and it's this. It's that without faith in God, no matter what good you do, it's actually, at one level, evil. The, the, these Pharisees, they, they loved money and they loved the praise of other people. I want to put forward this idea that may be controversial and it's this, if you don't actually uh, have faith in God, if you're not uh, acting out of your faith in God, that any, any good that we actually do is actually a form of idolatry because it's done for something or someone other than God. Ultimately. So the, these Pharisees, they were the goodest. They were the gooderest. But they were, they were good for bad motivations. And, and so therefore they were not good. Being good before God only comes through being found in Jesus. The, the, one of the guys who, who pretty much wrote the, the bulk of the New Testament, his name was Paul, and, and he, was, he was really good at doing good. He was incredibly good at doing good. But he actually he came to see that all of his doing good was actually pretty worthless. And he came to see grace. He, he writes about this in Philippians 3. He writes this, Finally, my brothers... Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and it is safe for you. And then what he's going to do is he's going to give people a warning and say, look out for people who, who are going to try and make you impress God by doing good. So he writes this. He goes, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Basically, body modification to try and impress God. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh in our ability to do good. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, like I'm the best at doing good. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. What a statement, right? (laughs) This guy... Circumcised on the eighth day, the, the best day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Uh, now, seriously, get this. Uh, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Like, that's, that's a pretty big statement. I'm really good at doing good, he's basically saying. But, but whatever gain I had, 
I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, from doing good, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Can we be counted as good people without God? I think if we look at the standard of of God's morality, or even if you don't believe in God, if you look at the standard of your own morality, you know that you can't. You've tried. You cannot be a good and righteous person without God. And so we need Jesus as our saviour, who was perfectly good. And in his death and resurrection, he actually offers to take all the times we have not lived up to that standard. And he instead actually offers us his perfect goodness and says, you, you, you have this. And so it's in God, in Jesus, that we can be good, be counted as good. Related to this and following on, someone else asked this question. There's a couple of questions that people asked. They said, why is there so much hypocrisy in the church? How is the church good for the world if it's full of bad people? You know, why do you need God? And I want to answer that question in this way. It's, it's, it is actually true that the church is full of hypocrites and bad people. And that should actually fill you with great joy. Because if the church was not full of hypocrites and full of bad people, you wouldn't fit in. At all. I wouldn't fit in. I wouldn't belong here. Many atheists or people who do not believe in God, they actually do act more morally than people who claim to be Christian. The church is full of bad people because we know that we need Jesus. Because the church is not actually primarily about doing good. It's about our saviour who is good. Now, that doesn't mean that that Christians have an excuse for bad behaviour. You know, I'm just trying to fit in, right? It doesn't mean we have an excuse for bad behaviour because in Christ we are being transformed more into the image of the Son, more into his likeness. But we are not there yet. We're in process. We are being transformed. It's not finished yet. We are being transformed into the image of the Son. And so the fact that the church is full of hypocrites and bad people should fill you with joy because because there isn't anyone else for it to be full of. And in fact, there's always room for one more. We are in the process of being transformed and the church is still good news for the world. 
Because it's the people of God with the message that it is not about how good we are, but it is in fact about how good our Saviour is. It's not about how good we are, it's about how good our Saviour is. And gloriously, he, we, we don't have to like, settle for a, an inkling about how good God is or an inkling for what God is like because God has revealed himself. Our previous series that we went through, 1 John, um, the very opening passage of, of the book of 1 John, it talks about this and it, it says that in Jesus... In the person of Jesus, God has made himself available to be, to be heard and seen and touched and so we can have relationship with him. It says that, that this God, this Jesus, he is light, he is goodness and in him is, is no darkness. He is perfectly good. We have a wonderfully compelling vision of goodness in the person of Jesus. We meet the God who is a servant, who loves us perfectly, who gives up his own rights and chooses to suffer for his creation, who loves the truth. And also who invites us into relationship with him so that we can share in his goodness. Can we be good without God? Yes, no, and no. We can take moral actions. But we cannot, in and of ourselves, by God's or even our own moral standard, declare that we are perfectly good without Jesus being good for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so very good to us. That in love, you have given us a world to live in in which we do know right and wrong. You have written your law on our hearts so that we could live in a society in which there is a certain amount of peace. Lord, we do try and live our life without you. We do try and define our life without you. But no matter how we define life, none of us can live up to a standard of goodness that would even please us without you. We thank you that in love you sent your son Jesus, who was light and goodness, who died for us, say that when we are found in him through faith, we can be good. Not because we do good, but because you are good. We thank you for your generosity to us. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.